What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins. Over there is my man, David Lake. We are coming to you after July 4th weekend. Um, July is here. We're, we're cruising along. Football season, fingers crossed, hopefully, is around the corner. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss that at some point on on this week's episode of the podcast. But, David, how are you doing coming out of uh, – America's birthday. Yeah, it was good. We uh, spent some time at the beach. We had some restricted hours uh, over here. And so spent some time at the beach in the morning and in the evening. Uh, wasn't crowded at all and got, got in the warm, the warm bath water that is the ocean these days. But overall, it was, it was a nice relaxing time with the family. How about you? Well, I'm jealous. Uh, the beaches were closed in uh, Broward County and I think Miami Dade and Palm Beach County. So ended up at a pool party. Younger brother came into town. Uh, it was it was fun. Did uh, the, the Murph workout on um, Saturday morning at like 6 a.m. So nice. uh, I'm, I'm still recovering from that. And it's uh, it's Tuesday. So uh, <laughs> it was fun. Got after it. Got after it for sure. Um, let's talk about what, what, what are we going to do on, on this show today? I know we got a little mailbag going on. We reached yeah. out to our subscribers at, at InsideTheU.com. Going to do a little mailbag. I think before that, though, we're going to talk some recruiting. Yeah, we'll talk recruiting. I think there's been some you know, interesting developments here you know, with some five-star guys, to be frank. Um, and, and let's just jump into it. I'll take the lead here. Um, so on Monday, I guess, our, our coworker Gabby Urrutia reported that five-star offensive tackle Tristan Lee uh, visited Miami's campus. Now, you know, nothing official during this time due to NCAA rules. So, you know, campus, quite frankly, isn't even open, but he visited the campus you know, walked through on his own, I would assume. Uh, tell us what we need to know about that visit, where Miami stands with Tristan, and maybe what else is on deck for him this week. Well, we need to give Gabby some prop here, uh, some props, big scoop from him. Yeah. First, first real big scoop. I mean, Tristan is, um, I, I think he's like a borderline five-star prospect. I mean, I don't know really where he is right now in the 24-7 sports rankings because I do not have him in front of me. But um, this is a blue-chip tackle and a guy that will be in the five-star conversation. Now, he plays his football up in the Virginia area. I mean, I've mentioned him in the past. You know, Garen Justice went and saw him in January, and, and Tristan had mentioned that there was he, he wanted to visit. I just never thought it was actually going to happen. And then, bam, out of nowhere – all of a sudden, he's walking around campus on Monday uh, with his mother. I actually think it was his it was his mother's birthday that day as well. Um, but the whole family was there. Apparently, they stayed the night. Uh, like you said, you know they can't interact with Miami's staff or coaches. And um, to be honest, it, 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 like it's not like you know Miami even tried to cheat or anything like that. Like Miami's entire staff this weekend is like on vacation, so there was no like incidental bump or even even an opportunity for that as I should say but uh, he was definitely he was there um, you know he didn't get to sit down and, and meet with those guys but I'm sure uh, there were some FaceTime conversations that probably went on 
And he really just got to get a feel for what the campus is. I think to me, I think that's a lot more important than maybe one of these virtual visits, actually getting to walk around and kind of see what Miami has to offer. So I think this is, this is big. Now I'll caution. Um, I think Miami's fighting a bit of an uphill battle here with Tristan. I know Tristan did a, um, a, a in-depth interview with, with Brian Doan, who's a, a national writer for um, 24-7 Sports. He did that on, on like Friday, and I don't even think Miami came up in the conversation. It was a bunch of other schools, Oklahoma, LSU, Maryland. I mean, all of the big, pla- uh, big powers, excuse me, are in there. But Miami got them on campus, and man, if they string together, like we keep saying pretty much with anyone, um, if they, they're able to win some games, I think uh, he's a guy that maybe they can get in for an official visit. So big development, um, and it just shows that what, – what I think it really shows is that Garen Justice is a pretty dang good recruiter. Yeah, so just, just an update. He's, he is in the 24-7 sports composite ranking. He is the number 11 overall player in the country and the current crystal ball prediction uh, for him is on Clemson. Uh, Clemson has 58% of the predictions followed by LSU who's at 25% and then Oklahoma and Penn State also have some predictions. So bottom line there I think is that he is definitely a, a highly sought after guy, one of the, one of the better tackle prospects in the country. And the big boys are all going to be fighting to recruit him and, and land him. So this, like you said, it, Miami has some, some ground to make up, I guess, to be considered a, a serious contender, but it is definitely a positive that he wanted to go visit the campus on his own with some of his family. And we need to point this out too. Um, look, like Miami isn't, this isn't the situation they've been in in previous recruiting cycles. Like Miami right now probably doesn't really need to take another offense alignment. Like they are fine with what they have committed. Um, you know, they got Michael McLaughlin, uh, the tackle, uh, the local kid. They got Lawrence Seymour, who, I, who they know that they're going to have to fight to keep committed in the, in the class. He's the interior guy to Miami Central. Like they know, um, it's not a done deal that he's coming, but he's committed. Uh, and then they got Ryan Rodriguez. So they like those three. Um, you, you stack Isaiah Walker, who you pulled out of the transfer portal. And like, that's a solid four um, yeah. to, to go based on what you took uh, this, the cycle before that. So I, I've been saying, just kind of given the numbers crunch, Miami is like big fish hunting. And, and they will take a fourth offense alignment if they think it's someone that is elite. And Tristan is absolutely that. I mean, you talk to like anyone who has seen him, they say straight tackle body. Um, so that's the luxury of being able to get guys committed. And now you can kind of chip away at some of these big dogs and, and see um, where things kind of stand. I think we should also point out that I do know, I think it's Tristan's, one of his coaches is actually like a pretty big Miami fan. Um, there at 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 in, in Fairfax, Virginia, he's at Robinson Secondary School. So I think Miami does have that working in his favor. But like you pointed out, man, the crystal ball is kind of like all over the place. So I think there's yeah. a lot of different coaching staffs that think they are in this recruitment. So let's move on to some other five star news, I guess that that pertains to Miami. On Monday, uh, local five star, according to the twenty four seven Sports Composite. 
local five-star defensive tackle Leonard Taylor put out a top two. Um, and the two schools were Miami and Florida. Uh, you've, you've been kind of hinting, Andrew, that, that you know, Miami's making a strong push here. They're making up some ground on Florida, who you've, I think you've always kind of stayed firm, is, is kind of in the driver's seat right now. Um, so was the number one, I guess I want to ask you, was that top two surprising to you? Uh, you know, the fact that he would put that out there right now or, or was that kind of expected? And then also too, I guess, you know, how do you still handicap that recruitment now as we stand today, you know, seeing that it's a top two between Miami and Florida, does that change anything right now in your mind? Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that that is the top two, um, Florida and Miami. You know, I always think back to really initially on in Leonard Taylor's recruitment. Um, there were some people close to him that said, like, he absolutely wants to stay home. Like, Miami is a team to watch for him. And I, I actually, I think I had a crystal ball pick in for Miami pretty, um, you know, pretty yeah. early. And I eventually flipped it over to Florida. Look, I, I think Miami has done an excellent job, and we talked about this. I wrote about this after I went and I, I met with Leonard following one of his workouts. Like They've done a good job of really um, kind of finding some footing during this, this nationwide shutdown where no one can take visits. And I think Leonard is pretty familiar or, or, or comfortable with the coaching staff that's in Miami. And really what it is, is I think they're doing a good job in they, I mean, Todd Stroud, David Cooney, uh, Blake Baker, uh, Ephraim Bonda, like all those coaches are doing a good job of telling Leonard, like, hey, you're going to have a chance to play relatively early at Miami. Uh, and I think that's kind of resonating with him and, and he's noticing that. So that's why, I, I mean, I'm not surprised Miami's in it. We, we knew Florida was going to be in that top two. I will say... Um, you know, I never really bought into Auburn or LSU kind of being in there, but I did think Tennessee was a school that was probably going to get, um, was probably going to get in there. Yeah. But, you know, I, so, so <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll say this, like it, it's, I find it surprising in this also applies to the James Williams recruitment. It's like, yeah, this recruiting cycle has gotten pretty weird in terms of no one's being able to take visits. But Leonard Taylor and James Williams could absolutely still take five official visits. Like, right. that could happen. You get, you get what I'm saying? Um, right. And the fact that both those guys have just trimmed it down to two and essentially have told me, yeah, I'm just taking the official visits to those two schools and then I'll figure it out in the early signing period. Like, that's kind of crazy to me. Um, I, and I, I don't know why. And you know, I, I keep asking myself, are we going to see an Alabama or, or someone try to make a late charge? But I, I really don't think so. So, um, look, I, I think Miami is trending up for Leonard Taylor. I, I know some other people are, are ready to already call this one in Miami's favor. Uh, I just still think there's there's some work left on the table. Um, and, and, and the folks in Coral Gables know that Miami needs to win. Let me put you on the spot just for fun. Um you know, and, and fully recognizing there is still plenty ways to go for both these guys. But today, who do you think Miami has a better shot for? Five-star James Williams or five-star Leonard Taylor? I'm going to go Leonard Taylor um, 
but I, th- or I'm sorry, I'm going to go James Williams, but I think it's, I think it's close. Okay. Um, I think James has a very, very, very deep and connected relationship with Manny Diaz and Ephraim Banda uh, and even DeMarcus Van Dyke. So I think that that is a deep relationship, but I think Taylor's is pretty um, kind of similar. So uh, that, that's just kind of how, how I would handicap it right now. Like, look, man, I, I'm not changing my crystal ball on Georgia for James Williams or Florida for Leonard Taylor. I, I think a lot of people are forgetting kind of how last season ended for Miami. I mean, it's easy to look right now, and, and we keep being talking about all this optimism and, and sure. how Miami could be this year's LSU, but let, let's not forget how those last three games went for Miami. So I'm kind of in, kind of in wait-and-see mode, and I, I honestly think Miami feels the same way. Like, you know, yeah. they're, they're chipping along, but they know that this is far from a done deal six months out. Last thing we want to touch on before we jump into the mailbag portion of this podcast is just a reminder that Miami has a safety target that is due to announce his decision, his college choice later this week. Andrew, tell us, remind us kind of what we need to know who it is and, and what's going on there. Well, he's, he could be commit number five, four, um, Miami at, uh, I'm sorry, commit number four for Miami at, at Miami Northwestern. You know, the Hurricanes already have Romello Brinson, the, the wide receiver, cornerback Tim Burns Jr., uh, and linebacker Ja'Cory Hammett all committed from Miami Northwestern. And, and Cam Kitchens is the next guy that's going to announce. So he's going to do it Saturday uh, around noon over his social media accounts. Miami, right now, the crystal ball leader. But Auburn is definitely in there. Uh, Texas A&M is also considered a finalist. I think me and you, David, both think that this one um, should swing in favor for the Hurricanes, uh, but you never know. I mean, Auburn is definitely charging and pushing, and I think they offer kind of a different package in terms of um, just how the school is and, and all that. I mean, you're playing in the SEC instead of the ACC. Uh, it's it's a college town. It's not a major town like Miami. It's away from home, not not near home. So, um, that's kind of what, what, where things stand, I guess, really a couple of days out. I mean, I, I think it'll be Miami. Miami would make a ton of sense, but I guess you really never know. And that's kind of why everyone's going to need to, to tune in and, and see how it goes. Yeah. And we can, we can get more into the type of prospect he is, you know, in, in a podcast later this week, as we get closer to that announcement, but certainly I agree. I think things look good for Miami right now. I will say originally you were correct with it's going to be if he announces it would be the fifth uh, Miami Northwestern kid because Khalil Brantley, the uh, tight yeah. ends, also committed. So it would that'd be big, you know, Miami Northwestern uh, continuing that pipeline. That'd be a big get for Miami. And I know you wrote a, you wrote a story about that kind of David. Um, yeah, I talked about you know I just think I mean we we've. We've discussed plenty how this local 2021 cycle is is a special year compared to, to normal years. Uh, it's normally always good in South Florida. This year, I think it's it's better than normal. And just you know, an example of that is you know, there's five guys at Miami Northwestern that Miami would love to add and, and probably will add. It looks like, and then down south in Dade County, Miami Palmetto has five guys that Miami would 
love to add as well. Will they be able to, to land all five of those guys? Most likely not. Um, but Miami's in the mix for, for a few of them. And, you know, it just shows how you can have 10 high-level Power 5 prospects at two schools in Dade County. And if you keep the majority of those guys home, for, you know, from a Miami perspective, if you keep the majority of those guys home, your recruiting class is going to be in good shape. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, and the, what's crazy is I think those guys were supposed to do like a preseason, preseason scrimmage against each other uh, yeah. before all, all this stuff changed. That would have been pretty epic. That'd be great. So, yeah, we will jump into the mailbag portion of this podcast after this break. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, we're back. We're going we're gonna to jump into some questions that our subscribers asked on the Inside the U uh, message board. The majority of these questions are... are you know, recruiting questions. So I'll take the lead and just shoot Andrew these questions. And, and if I have opinions, I might interject as well. Um, but anyways, the first question comes from blah 4020. He asks, if you could only add one of James Williams, Leonard Taylor, or Mason Smith, Mason Smith is also a high level defensive tackle recruit. He comes from I believe Louisiana, correct, Andrew? Yeah, he's a Louisiana animal. So of those three defensive prospects, you can only add one. Who would it be and why? And then the person says, same question for quarterback targets, Jake Garcia and Jalen Milrow. So let's start with the defensive guys, James Williams, Leonard Taylor, or Mason Smith, who you got? Uh, give me Leonard Taylor. Um, you know, I'm all for the positionless 
defenses and that the way people are going and, and trying to find the next Isaiah Simmons. I mean, I, I, I love that in James Williams and, you know, then, it, so, the, so now I'm down to Leonard Taylor or Mason Smith. Uh, I think both are elite pass rushers. I just, I favor Leonard Taylor a little bit more. Um, you know, I love how he is built, how fast his hands are. And I think he would be a, an absolute monster, um, in, in Miami scheme. So I, I would take Leonard Taylor all day. And I also think you make more of a statement, just kind of keeping a guy in your backyard home. And to be honest, I think it's gonna be a lot easier than going into uh, Louisiana and stealing the, the state's number one ranked player, um, you know, less than a year or, or a year after the Tigers won a, a national title. So I, I would say Leonard Taylor for sure. I agree. I think, you know, Leonard Taylor to me has the traits of a future first round pick for all those reasons you stated. Um, and, and two, you know, if I think in my opinion, a game wrecking defensive tackle is the hardest position to find on defense. And right. to me, Leonard Taylor's that guy. I think we got a glimpse of, of what that can look like during Jared, Jared uh, Williams, sorry, Gerald Williams, uh, special season uh, in 2018, I believe it was. And, you know, I think Leonard Taylor's a better player or will be a better player than Gerald, Gerald Willis. Yeah, dude, um, I was going to say. I we really are, butchered we, that. We, Gerald we Willis. Uh, you know, he was a game wrecker that year. And, you know, statistically, Miami's 2018 defense was elite. A big reason why was because of Gerald Willis's play that season. So, quarterback, which one would you take? I'm going to go Jay Garcia here. Um, and, you know, there was someone in our, our network who kind of reached out to me a few days ago, and they were, they were asking – I don't know why they were asking who I thought Miami should take, Milrow or Jake Garcia. And I, I fired back real quick, like, hey, I want to kind of see what uh, Rhett Lashley's offense actually is in terms yeah. of, you know, we saw four practices. And I know what he did at SMU, and I, I know what he had his hand in at, at Auburn. But, you know, like we see a game before I start making a call on, on which quarterback to me the – the better fit for him. I'm, I'm just going to Jake Garcia because I think Jake would be more of a splashy, like ambassador type for, for your class um, mm-hmm. as opposed to Jalen Milrow. And I, you, I keep hearing that Jalen is kind of doing a bunch of recruiting for, for Texas. Now I do love uh, Jalen's dual threat capabilities, but I mean, again, like you know, what is Rhett, what does Rhett Lashley really want to do? And I think he does a great job in, or he has in the past of kind of adapting his play calling and system to whatever his quarterback best, you know, the, what suits that quarterback. So I, I guess it really wouldn't matter. Just, just to me, I think Jake Garcia is the guy um, I would, I would kind of go with. I'm a big fan of, of Jake Garcia, but I think I would go with Jalen Milrow just for those reasons you highlighted the, dual threat running ability. Um, I think we're going to find out again, we'll see how, how Derek King is utilized, but I think we're going to all see and and find out how uh, much more dangerous an offense can be when you have a quarterback that brings that running element to the table. Now that quarterback still has to be 
an effective passer, which Derek King is. And I, I think Jalen Milrow is as well. You know, Jake Garcia is a high, higher level passer probably, but I just think that ability to run, especially once you get into the red zone, um, if you have a dual threat quarterback and, and you surround him with the type of weapons that Miami is adding in this class so far, the receivers, tight ends, running backs, I think that's going to cause defenses a lot of headaches. So I, of course, would take either one. Um, but, but if I had my pick, I would probably go Jalen, to be honest. Next question. Uh, what's your take? This is from, sorry, jblack334. What's your take on the recruitment of James Williams? Is it shaping up to be an Avante Williams type of recruitment? Well, I think that's what everyone's kind of hoping for. I mean, look, uh, when I talked with James two weeks ago, he, he gave the quote, which was pretty telling. Um, and I'm going to paraphrase this. He said, I'm going to tell, look, I'll tell every uh, Miami fan this. I just want to see them win. So I, I, I think James is hoping that Miami gives him a, a reason to kind of stay home. Um, and so I, if Miami wins, I, I think they could absolutely get him. I, again, I, I'm, I'm leaving my crystal ball on Georgia. I, it, it's hard to, to sit here um, without a, a snap of a football played in, in 2020 and expect Miami to go head to head with Kirby smart staff who just signed the number one class in the country uh, and being like, yeah, they're just going to beat them straight up. Um, I'm not comfortable doing that right now. I still think there's a ways to go, but I, Miami has definitely positioned themselves um, to potentially steal him. And yes, we, we keep referencing the, the Avante Williams thing. And I do think there's a, a, a chance that recruitment could play out this way. At the same time, though, I mean, you know, Tyreek Stevenson had a very good relationship with with the, the defensive coaches, and and he ended up at Georgia. So, um, right, I, I I just you, you got to point out that that flip side as well. Next question uh, comes from C Perry Co. I know you guys have hinted on a big season uh, this year. How many regular season wins would be a quote-unquote big season? Nine wins, 10 wins, 11 wins. If that happens, who are the top three kids we boost our chances with uh, that with that are waiting to see us win? Sorry. So I'll, I'll take this one first. I, in my opinion, a quote-unquote big season this year would be 10 wins. Um, you know, I think you got to – you got to be realistic. 10 wins is a significant jump, a significant leap from what we saw last year uh, in 2019 when Miami won six games in the regular season. So if Miami wins 10 regular season games, you know, that four, four game leap is not uh, insignificant. I think that'd be a very good sign with Manny Diaz and his ability to make quick uh, and necessary changes that leads to results in the span of one off season. And in terms of the recruits that, that it would boost our, you know, Miami's chances with, um, we've already touched on it. it. It would be guys like James Williams, Leonard Taylor, and a quarterback. Um, 
my question is, what if they only play eight games? Do they have to get eight wins, and, and that makes it a good, a good season? Yeah, so someone asked this. I think, you know, in, in that context, uh, what does the eight games look like, right? So is it just eight straight ACC conference games? If that's the case, I think, honestly, I think six and two would be good enough. But again, like, what do the two, what do the two losses look like? is one of those losses to first-year Florida State head coach Mike Norvell, that would probably be not acceptable. Um, well, if let's, <laughs> let's just say this. Like, if you're a Miami fan, you need them to play these out-of-conference games, I think. Sure. No, I agree. I think if it's a full 12-game schedule, like, we ex- you know, like it is as we stand today, yes, they, they will – they should most likely win these non-conference games. And then ACC schedule, you know, I think a six and two expectation is fair. Um, all right. Next question. Okay. Oh, well, and, and then let me, I guess, chime in. So if Miami were to get to nine, 10 wins, assuming they play 12 games, it's going to help them with the guys we mentioned, uh, Leonard Taylor, James Williams, um, and another one I should point out, Jason, Jason Marshall, the, the corner at Palmetto, I, I think it would help there as well. Um, I still think Mason Smith is going to be a long shot, regardless if Miami rolls off a big season. As someone who recruits that state pointed out to me, like LSU pretty much gets what it wants um, yeah. within those state borders. So uh, th- those would be the ones, Tristan Lee, uh, you know, that that's probably another. So I mean, it's, it's kind of the same names we, we keep bringing up. Right. Next question's from jblack334. Would there be a scenario, Andrew, where Miami signs over the allotted 25 for this 2021 cycle? I mean, well, they can't. <laughs> I, I mean, everyone would. <laughs> I'm just going to say this about kind of the numbers thing, and I know everyone wants to, to – to kind of crunch it and figure out how they're going to get to 25. Like, look, uh, if you followed recruiting, um, there's still some time. It's going to work itself out. I I cannot remember a situation where Miami, since I've covered the team, has had to turn a good player down just because they didn't have space. I I don't know what's going to happen with the numbers. Um, They can't oversign. I mean, I guess they could try to blue shirt someone. I, I don't know if they're even kind of entertaining that idea. I, I, my honest take is at, at some point, this 25 man cap is going to be changed. I, I, I'm trying to, you know, when I get some time, I, I got a lot of other projects on the side. I've been asked to do for my other responsibilities. I'll, I'll try to drink, dig up the legislation and, and find it again. But, you know, Miami's not going to sign over the 25. Um, and, you know, I, I just think it's a little too early to start, plugging in these scenarios where Miami's landing, you know, four or five stars or or something like that. Like, let's, let's see, let's see them get to the season first before we start saying Miami's going to get all these guys, if if that makes sense. And within that too, we got a lot of questions about who would be guys that Miami drops or, you know, I personally don't feel comfortable, you know, guessing or projecting that because, I mean, outside of Savion Collins, maybe, I don't think anyone you could necessarily say that about. Uh, you know, people want to people wanna bring up, like, Malik Curtis, who's a cornerback pros- prospect that is a bit of a project as a cornerback, 
But in my opinion, he has a lot of value as a special teams returner. If he ends up being an effective returner in the punt and kick game, to me, he's earned his spot, uh, you know, whether or not you, you like his recruiting ranking or not. And I think two people want to bring up Thomas Davis. Should he be a guy that, that Miami brings in? We discussed him plenty previously in podcasts, and I think both you and I land on yes, Miami should take Thomas Davis if he wants to come. Uh, I wouldn't take a room full of Thomas Davis type defensive ends, but if you take one guy like that, you know, over the course of three cycles or so, I think that's fine. Um, do you agree with those takes? No, and I do. And I, I want to, to kind of add some more color and context to this whole dropping situation. Like when Miami took Alan Hay, which right. feels like it was forever ago, like there was a long, hard, thought-out process about whether or not they wanted that to happen. Like most of these commitments are calculated decisions. We talk about these new recruiting protocols and what they mean in terms of actual kids committing. But at the same time, I think Manny's staff has, has really thought long and hard about whether or not they want to give a kid a green light because they want to avoid situations where they are upsetting local schools. Um, right. Why did they so try so hard to get Willie Moise in or, or, or work out that situation? Because they know Shamanad Madonna is a feeder school for them. It, it is a pipeline. Um, they are well-respected by the coaches there, uh, and the players understand that. So they're not trying to rock the boat with anyone. Willie Moise wanted to be at Miami. They try to find a way to make it work, and it, it, it just wasn't going to line up how everyone wanted it to be. That's why he's headed to Coastal Carolina. And I think everyone in Coral Gables will tell you they, they wish him the most success. So, you know, everyone wants to, to kind of run through who will they drop or, or, or right. whatnot. Um, as of right now, I think they're going to try to keep as many of these guys as they can. But you, you also have to remember if kids start taking visits and, and checking out other schools, it makes it a lot easier for them to kind of, to look around and a majority of these commitments are, are taken um, kind of under the assumption that th those prospects will uphold to some type of standard during their senior seasons. So, right. you know, if a kid doesn't look how they thought it would be, then absolutely. Yeah. Miami could kind of move on for them, but to sit here and speculate about who they're going to drop right now, I think is, it's kind of a little unfair just because I don't even think those conversations are really being have or had. Yeah. I think to, I mean, look, you always want to bring in the best players you can possibly bring, but there, there also needs to be some value to, I mean, look, you mentioned a guy like Alan Hay, he committed to Miami when Miami wasn't necessarily hot. Like Miami's kind of hot right now on the recruiting trail, uh, you know, trending positively for, you know, some four and five star guys. Well, Alan Hay said, I want to be a Miami hurricane. Uh, there needs to be some sort of value to those type of guys that are willing to jump in the boat, you know, from quote unquote day one or early in the process. That's just my opinion. So next question comes from Jada 478. Uh, Mark Pope or Nesta Jade Silvera, which former top 100 recruit will have a better season in 2020 i mean for me this isn't even a question oh, yeah we already we already know what yours is uh 
I'm going to go Nesta. Ooh, why? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I just think there, there's, there's going to be more of an opportunity for him to be a, a member of that rotation on the, on the defensive line. And I, I think they're looking for someone to step up and there's been some, some positive feedback. So I, I think he could be in line for a big year. And it does seem like the past couple of seasons, um, a, a different defensive tackles kind of emerge as a, as a pass rushing threat. So I think maybe, maybe this year it's Nesta. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say I'm a believer in both. I do think it's worth pointing out, you know, last year Nesta had a foot injury on, I believe like the first day of camp, maybe the second day of camp. And that I think did kind of derail his 2019 season overall. We did see him at his best against Florida state last year and and he was very 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 disruptive in that game so if he can consistently play at that level for an entire season then Miami's got something nice at defensive tackle you know I'm gonna go with Mark Pope in this I just think the new offense Derek King at quarterback we're gonna we're gonna finally see him reach some of his potential that we thought he had in high school next question comes from Go Canes this is just a quick one Brevin Jordan, under or over 750 yards and six touchdowns. I'll say, you know, that's a good line. Uh, I will probably take the under just because, you know, injuries and 700 yards for a tight end is a lot. What would you take? I think the line is pretty good. What was the what did the kid from SMU have last year? He was like right at seven hundred and twenty, I think. Yeah. Um, I think the value's definitely on the under, for sure. I, I would go with that. But I will say, I mean, Brevin had four hundred ninety-five yards receiving last year, and he right. basically didn't play in the last four games. Right. Um, I I think if he plays all the games, he definitely can can top this number. I will say, but um, I think both years he's only played like nine games, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I go under, but I could definitely see um, it, it going like if, if this was 650, I'd probably take the over. Yeah, I think that's fair. In, in terms hey. of touchdowns, in terms of I, touchdowns, I'd probably go under as well, but sure. Next questions from Jada 478, and it has to do with the cornerback position. Deuce Chestnut versus Markevious Brown. Who do you like or prefer more? Are they both takes with a strong season on both ends? Could we end up with both? Um, no opinion on which one I would take. Um, I, I, to be honest, like, just neither of these guys really do it for me right now. Uh, that's that, that's kind of that's kind of where I stand right now. I mean, I've I've seen it. I first saw Marquevious Brown back when he was after his freshman season at Pahokee. He camped at Miami. You know, he went to IMG. Um, there were some elite guys ahead of him last season, so he's more of kind of a rotational guy. Had a chance to see him at that Deion Sanders seven on seven tournament. Um, really wasn't I would say blown away. I mean, I think there's a there's potential there, but I got to see him. Uh, some more out of him. And I think Miami's in the same boat. 
Deuce Chestnut, I, I don't really know. I, I have never seen him in person. I, I hear he's got a longer frame, uh, but he doesn't really look that kind of on film. So I'd probably lean Deuce Chestnut now if I, if I had to pick one. I, I, not, I can't see a situation playing out where they, they take both of them just kind of given um, the number situation and, and the fact that they already have two corners taken. Um, I, I'm, I'm just kind of in wait and see mode to, to kind of find out if another corner comes along. Yeah, I think, you know, the last two cycles, Mike Rumpf has, you know, waited and, you know, gone after a, you know, fairly big time four-star type cornerback late in the process. I would assume that's how it's going to go this cycle. So, you know, those two guys definitely are getting recruited by Miami, but we'll see if, if anything real comes of it. Um, two more questions. This one's from Jada478 as well. And this is just a quick one, Andrew. Uh, any chance Miami changes its mind about linebacker Terrence Lewis? Uh, despite his presumed off-field issues, we could use the talent. Well, I don't think they're presumed. It's like factual. Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, I I know it's been discussed behind the scenes, but I, I just I don't I can't foresee that right now with Miami. And the last question will be a coronavirus question. Just our thoughts mainly. Do you believe there will be a normal start to the season? or some kind of shortened season, or no season at all? So I'll, I'll go first on this. And, and honestly, I just think that the fairest way to answer this is just to say, I don't know. Um, you know, do I think a college football season is going to happen? Yes. Do I, can I tell you, or do I know what it's going to look like? Absolutely not. I think there's many different questions that have to be answered. I think the timeline, the timeline issues is mainly what it boils down to at this point. So, you know, do we expect the season to start on time, September 5th? You know, the the thing with this Corona stuff is day to day, week to week, things look different. So, you know, at this point, you can decide whether or not you think it's it's trending in a good way to start on September 5th. Uh, I will say if, you know, let's say they do start September 5th, are we then confident that they're going to be able to make it through an entire fall without having to shut things down? Would it be better to push the season back maybe a month or six weeks, uh, giving giving you more time to potentially get in an entire season? Or would it just make the most sense to start in the spring Um, I think you could also bring up some scheduling issues. If Miami's going to play, and this isn't just Miami, but other power five teams, if they're playing group of five teams, uh, you know, the budgets of those group of five teams aren't as big as power five teams. So is the testing going to be at the same level for those group of five teams? Would it be wise for power five teams to play group of five teams with the, with a risk of getting infected if their testing isn't on point. Um, should, should, should teams only play conference games this year? Should teams only play schools in a certain radius that's somewhat close to them 
uh, to cut down on, on the risk of getting infected while traveling. There's just so many questions still to answer, you know, and, and honestly, these are the same questions that existed in March and we still don't have answers to be honest. So just to wrap it all up, I do think a college football season is going to happen. Uh, I can't tell you when that season's going to start or what it's going to look like, but one, I do, I fair, I'm fairly confident in saying one is going to happen. Um, where do you stand on all this mess? Oh, I don't know, man. Um, the news that came out of, of Miami Dade on on Monday about them going back into a shutdown on some levels, I, I do not think that is that is promising. Um, yeah, you know, I'm real interested to see how the the MLS inst- uh, restart goes. MLS yeah. is back tournament. I, I think that's going to start on Wednesday. You know, they they had a team pull out in pretty much the eleventh hour. Um, just due due to testing. I mean, I, I I do not think it's, I do not think it's looking good. Um, but I'm optimistic and and I'm hoping it, I, I think a conference only schedule would make the most sense. Um, and I know you, you've tossed out this idea, like, why don't everyone just play everyone within their own state or or something like that? Um, I mean, I think they're going to, they're going to try to make it work, but once you start tossing in travel and all that, it's going to get, um, kind of confusing but man i'm absolutely hoping it it works out like i'm 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 trying to remain positive and you know not look at it in a negative light but um no i think it's gonna happen i think i think it's i think worst case scenario in terms of a start date is like january february and you know things are gonna look a lot different yeah it's gonna suck having you know no football in the fall but it's better than nothing I honestly would rather them start in January or February and get a whole, you know, whatever the season is, eight or 10 or 12 games, get that whole schedule in rather than start in September or October, play three to four games and then have to shut everything down again. Um, yeah. But again, we're, we're not going to act like we know. Nobody knows at this point. No. Um, that's, that's the, most annoying thing with this Corona stuff is we just don't know what the future holds with it. Um, but yes, I think we both are, are optimistic that a season is going to happen of, that's, you know, of some sort. It's just, you know, wait and see in terms of what it looks like and, and when it starts. So yeah, that's, that's the mailbag for us. Um, I think we will have another podcast this week where we, yeah, talk more about Cameron Kitchens. Um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a slower time, quite frankly, right now uh, with, with everything going on. But I know I'm still trying to do some season previews, uh, talking about the team. I know you and Gabby are continuing to crank out recruiting content because recruiting never stops. And, you know, I would encourage everyone to keep checking out InsideTheU.com. All right, guys, later. Take care.